0: This morning, Church, if you've, just, uh, if you've just sort of joined us and if this is your first Sunday with us, we're in a series on grace. And uh, I felt quite strongly during this past week that the Lord wanted to share just a fourth and final installment. I said last week that we'd come to the end of the series, but I really felt in my heart that there's one or two more things still left to be said on this concept. And so uh, I'm going to lean into, that, uh, into the conversation this morning. Would you turn with me Uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 8. So um, you'll see that's the first time I've asked us to do that as a church. Turn with me in your Bibles. Turn with me in your Bibles. We are going to have it on the screen, don't worry. If you don't have it, turn with me in your Bibles or on your Bible app. You have got permission. You are welcome to open your phone in church. Uh, If it rings though, it shall be deemed a donation to the kingdom of God. But um, we're gonna we're gonna get to John chapter eight in a moment, and while we're getting there, um, I wanted yeah just to just to share this message with you that I that I really felt the Lord laying strongly on my heart this week on this topic uh, of grace, and in one specific area on the topic of grace, and that's in the area of forgiveness. It's in the area of forgiveness. Uh, you know, everything in the kingdom of God, everything in the kingdom of God is so opposite to how the world would expect things to go. We operate under a very different system, under a very different kingdom. And it's, more more often than not, completely opposite to how the rest of the world would expect things to go. Matthew chapters 5 through 7, for example, are perfect illustrations of this. This is Jesus' first sermon. It's known as a sermon Sermon on the Mount, right? And he says this in Matthew 5, 43 to 45. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. That's from Leviticus 19, 18, an Old Testament book. And hate your enemy. That's what the world would have known. That's what they would have heard. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. What's that? That's completely opposite to what I was expecting. So that is the reason that you may be like your father in heaven. That's who we're modeling. That's who we're representing. Since he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous first uh, you know but it's uh, it's a lot of what we read in Jesus teachings were completely opposite to what the rest of the world would expect even his arrival on earth was something of a what situation you know they were they were expecting a mighty soldier you know with this grand army and and all this you know the splendor to come and deliver the jewish people out from under this roman oppression that's the context of which the, these gospels were written right They expected the soldier, yet they got a baby in a manger. Even the Lord Jesus' arrival was completely different to what they were expecting. It was kind of a shock to the system. And the grace of God, friends, is no different. It's opposite to how we would expect things to go. Everything we read, I mean, at first glance, everything we read about grace doesn't seem to make sense to the world. Everything we know about God's kingdom doesn't seem to fit in with the picture of how we see things playing out around us. And the difference between these two worlds, the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of, of the world, the kingdom of, of the world, by the way, which is how most people in society would expect things to be run, the kingdom of God is how God wants things to be run. That difference is most visible, I feel, in the area of forgiveness. This is where the difference between a worldly life and a godly life intersect most clearly. It's where those two kingdoms collide most vividly. And this is where you get to test most accurately how you're doing in terms of the grace-received, grace-given equation. You know, we spoke about that equation over the last couple of weeks, that it's the measure by which we have received, right? We receive God's grace. That enables us to extend it. And in this, in this, on this topic of forgiveness, this is where we get to test ourselves, I guess, most accurately in terms of how we're doing. Are we releasing grace as much as we are receiving grace from God? And I want to end off this morning, church, by giving us an opportunity to pray. Uh, as I said throughout this whole series, I'm going to give you the heads up up front. So you can start getting nervous now, already. But don't worry, we're not gonna you know, make anything weird. You're gonna just have the opportunity right where you are. Uh, instead of you know, us praying for you, I wanna give us the opportunity to pray for ourselves and for someone else. Throughout the series, we've prayed for God to release some things. This morning, I really feel like God is asking us to pray to release some things over other people, specifically in this area of forgiveness. And I really do believe that God has a special breakthrough planned for us as a church this morning. And whether you're here in the building or, you know, listening to this later on the Father's Our Spotify or SoundCloud accounts, I really believe that God is going to release a special breakthrough as we step into this area of forgiveness together. You know, I feel like there's, there's such a lack of authentic vulnerability in the church these days. I feel like there's such a lack of, of this authentic vulnerability, not the vulnerability that's like, you know, um, I can't get over my hurts, uh, so I just end up, you know, bleeding over everybody else. Not that kind of vulnerability. Not the kind that, you know, we spew false rumors and gossip to help us get over our own hurts. That's insecure vulnerability. I'm not talking about that. But the kind that's authentic enough and that has a trustworthy enough Relationship circle to go. Hey, you know what? I'm really battling with this. I'm really struggling with this thing. I feel defeated in this way. It's like we have this. We have this pressure to, you know, keep up our god, so to speak, lest you know everyone else figure out that hey, we're actually just human, <laughs> and we also struggle with some stuff. We've got some stuff that goes on from time to time. Stuff at home stuff at work, stuff in our personal life. And the enemy wants to keep us in bondage by preventing us from opening up to one another and honouring in an honouring and in an authentic way and praying for one another, confessing our weaknesses and our sins to one another, asking God for spiritual wisdom to get his help out of a sticky situation. Yeah, man, this isn't, a, this isn't a Lloyd or a Father's House idea. This is, a, this, is a, this is a God idea to live in this kind of authentic community. Look at, let's just let the Bible say it for us, right? James 5, 13 to 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? It's a powerful verse. It's a healing covenant, if you want to call it that. Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. (laughs) My word. How's that for a passage of scripture in James? We can we can see we can see the need here, right? That we shouldn't neglect this, this powerful part of church life that we are called to as the body of Christ. Known right now as Father's House Jefferies Bay, in this body. We should we have this duty to stand alongside one another in authentic community, to pray, to hold one another up. That's not a weird thing. That's part of God's design. And if you were in a church, by the way, where that kind of a concept did get weird, I'm sorry, I was there too, you know? I experienced that growing up, where it was not that authentic kind, it was the controlling kind, you know? And everything you did had to go through a certain person that was holier than you. We're not talking about that. And by the way, church isn't the problem, just FYR. People are the problem, Right? So we shouldn't say, you know, church is bad. Well, church is bad because you and I are there. We're people and we're bad. We make mistakes. So just because we had a bad experience at church doesn't mean we should stop going, right? And if there is an area where this kind of living should be able to be practiced out, it should be in the church. This is where the Spirit of God is, right? In us, collectively. Anyway, that was just a side note, trying to get over my own past hurts there. But I, I really want to just break through that a little bit this morning and, and, and trust God and just allow Him space to do some work in us today, to do a little bit of, little bit of spiritual surgery, if you want to call it that, as we step into this and just unpack the power of the principle of forgiveness. This is where we see God's grace, right? And so we're going we're gonna to read our, our key scripture for this, for this morning. So if you've got it with me in your Bibles or your Bible app, John chapter 8, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 12. You can follow along in whichever translation you feel comfortable with. It'll be on the screen there as well. This is from the New King James, right? It's the uh, more English version of the King James, which is the very old school one. This is the version that I've, tro- that I've chosen for this morning. Jesus, the light of the world. That's the heading of this passage of Scripture. It says this in verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Pause there for a moment. If Jesus goes to church early in the morning. So should we. Amen. And all the early birds said, Amen. And the people came to him. Naturally speaking, Jesus draws a crowd, right? He sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees, who were those guys? The experts in the law, right? The people that looked like they had it all together. They knew everything. They know all the details, right? These are the people that everyone else looks up to. The scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. That's that's hectic, in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something to which uh, of which to accuse him by. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Oh. So when they continued asking him, what do you say we should do? He raised himself up and said to them, famous phrase in the Bible, right? He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Oh, can you picture the scene? And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. (laughs) When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Wow. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What a, what a passage of Scripture. What an incredible Scene. This is this is a this is a matter of the heart. Scripture. This right. And the reason I say that is because this this cuts to the heart of so much in just twelve verses. Here, Jesus is addressing the the core of his ministry that he came to 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 fulfill on earth. The ministry of reconciling people back to God. Jesus says those words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Man, that alone should shake up a lot of the law-based preaching, right? That says, God is angry with you. They repent of your sin. God is wanting to punish you otherwise. You know, turn or burn. That was a popular one a while back. Some Oaks must just change their approach, seriously. Look at how Jesus approached this sinner. You know what stands out to me about this story? Isn't it interesting that broken people want people to be broken? And whole people want people healed. (laughs) Pharisees are broken. They want people to be broken, but whole people. They want people to be healed. Don't don't try and work against the work of Jesus by accusing people of their sin and judging people in this way. He's already dealt with that. He's not throwing stones. (laughs) Neither should we. Jesus isn't... Condemning? Maybe that's just your revelation for today. Jesus is not condemning. He's not the big man upstairs angry with humanity because of our sin. He's dealt with that on the cross. He's the loving man that resides in your heart. He's the creator that gave us everything to show us how much we mean to him. 2 Corinthians 5. Again, let's just let the Bible say it. So then if anyone is in Christ... Even the woman caught in adultery, even the person who's messed up at home, even the business owner that did things underhandedly, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, the new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We have have this ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he has given us the message of judgment. Sorry, what? Just making sure you're still with me. Friends, if we are grace receivers we need to be grace releasers also. That was the message of last week. We said to fully appreciate the grace that we have received means we embrace the call to release it to others. To fully embrace how much we have been loved, we embrace the call to love others. To fully embrace how much we have been forgiven means that we embrace the call we are willing to release it to other people. And there's none more graphic of an example than this woman, than this, this type of grace in action, than this interaction with Jesus and, and, and the sinful woman. Just picture the scene for a moment, if you will. This is, this is how the Scriptures come alive. Picture the scene for a moment. Place yourself in the woman's shoes for a bit. Imagine the shame. Imagine the condemnation. Imagine the guilt that you must have felt. You see, people wanted to make a public spectacle of this woman, you see, they wanted they wanted this thing to go viral to use modern day terms I mean it was bad enough to be caught out privately right this woman had broken one of the ten Commandments like she was in direct violation of God's law and I mean that's not exactly something that you want to advertise to other people right it's like we don't we don't go around telling people our mistakes it's like I've Never seen a CV that was like, you know, really battle with addiction, can't get along with anyone, I'm very untidy, you know, I battle with bad language, i got a bad work ethic, I'm just a slimy character. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? You don't, you don't, you don't display that. You know, we're trying to hide our sins and our shortcomings. Now, imagine this. She's caught in the act of adultery, literally dragged out to the temple. <laughs> By the religious leaders and placed at the feet of Jesus. (laughs) Taken by the pastors to church. Imagine. Talk about a public display of humiliation. Just the weight of this situation was immense. And if there was ever an, an occasion to show, to display the full wrath of the Lord, this was it. You could almost feel that tension how the scribes and Pharisees were staring at her, sneering at her, making those comments at her. And you see, this is what sin does through the law. It always seeks to bring you to your knees in shame. Sin, through the power of the Lord, exposes your guilt and your shortcomings. Sin wants to put you in the center and make a mockery of you. Yet, in the midst was Jesus. And the eyes of love himself stared down that brokenness in the face. And instead of signing off on the punishment of that sin, in a moment of radical grace, he said, neither do I condemn you. And instead, he went to the cross and paid the penalty for that sin. (laughs) Friends, mercy, God's mercy, is our punishment withheld. That's grace made visible. And forgiveness is heaven released to us. That is grace made tangible. And in this, in this passage, we see the, the, almost the climax of this kind of a story. By the way, here's a couple of things that are worthy just to take note of from this passage. Um, this is why I said uh, the law because of sin will always condemn you. Just go and read Romans 7. It's, it explains this whole concept makes the sacrifice of Jesus so much more breathtaking. But here's the thing. These accusers, these scribes and Pharisees, right, that said to Jesus, she's found guilty in terms of the law of Moses, they misrepresented the law themselves by doing that. You see, the law of Moses said that in the case of of adultery, both the man and the woman must be put to death. So where's the man? (laughs) Where's he at? He's just chilling at home having a Heineken free, you know? But, but 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 this is what a life of sin under the law will do. It will always misrepresent things in an effort to seem holy. But actually, it's just as guilty as the person that it wanted to pull down. <laughs> Don't get caught up in the judgmental trap, friends. It will always leave you feeling exposed. But these guys bring this woman to Jesus, misrepresenting the The law, they told a half-truth or a whole lie. There's no difference, really. And they set a trap for Jesus. Remember, that scripture said this they they did to trap him. What was the trap? They say, teacher, here's here's this woman caught in adultery, according to the law of Moses, the one that they just misrepresented by not bringing the man. According to that law, she should be stoned to death. Tell us, what should we do? Or what do you say we should do? Now, the reason why that's a trap was if Jesus had said, cool, outright, stone her. He would be committing her to, to the death penalty, right? And in that time, only the Roman government could authorize the death penalty. So if he rightly said, would have said, kill her, what would those scribes and Pharisees have done? They would have gone straight to the Roman government and said, here's this crazy guy, Jesus, he's trying to overthrow your rules, he's implementing the death penalty and he's got no authority to uh, do so. Kill him. On the other hand, if Jesus said, no, don't stone her, what's going to happen then? Then these scribes and Pharisees would go to the Jewish council called the Sanhedrin, the religion police, basically, right? And they would say, this Jesus, he ignores the law of Moses. He's mad. He's deserving of death. So these scribes and Pharisees thought to themselves, either way, we've got him trapped. He can't go anywhere. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Sin is so brazen it will seek to trap the holiness of God <laughs> Himself. Look at what Jesus says to them He who is without sin among you, let Him throw the stone at her first. How brilliant! How brilliant is His response. Just note, He actually makes a choice there. Jesus actually makes a choice. He says, He who is without sin, be the first to throw the stone. So he's actually saying, yes, you know, you're right. According to Moses' law, she is guilty. She is. But here's the caveat of grace. If you are without sin, be my guest. Pick up the stone. Throw it first. So brilliant. So brilliant. You know, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of speculation as to what Jesus wrote in the ground, Remember it says he stooped down and he wrote in the ground with his finger and then he stood up and said "Let he use without sin cast the first stone and he stood down again and carried on writing. Um, and it's not in the text itself obviously because God didn't want it to be there. Otherwise he would have put it in there and we would have known what he wrote. But if you wouldn't mind indulging me a little bit in the preacher's guess, I suppose, as to what he might have wrote, you know, perhaps... As he stood there for the first time, he stooped down and he started writing those Ten Commandments, the ones that they have accused the woman of breaking. And commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me, writing in the sand. Starts writing the Ten Commandments. Number two, you shall not make for yourself any carved image and worship it. Number three, you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And as he's writing the commandments, he gets to commandment number six and then he stands up and he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he goes down and he writes number seven, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not lie, you shall not murder, he carries on. Perhaps in that moment, one by one, <laughs> they saw, oh, yeah, I'm stuck on number two. Oh, geez! I'm one, two, three, four, five, and six. Oh, I was on number seven just last week. And from oldest to the youngest, supposedly because the oldest had the most pride, they drop their stones and they leave. Here's the thing. If there was one person who could agree that the punishment be carried out and sign off on her death, it would be Jesus. He would be fully within his rights to have thrown a stone at her and killed her. He was the law of Moses fulfilled. And if the person who had the right to condemn someone didn't and exercised grace instead, should we have the right to condemn those who sin against us, church? It's been hitting me like this all week. (laughs) Broken people want other people to be broken. Whole people want people healed. And should we not, with eyes of love, consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and look at those who have harmed us and Pray in our hearts the Lord's Prayer, Matthew six twelve, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And say with grace in our hearts to those who harm us, I forgive you. Man. Now, this is why C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means you forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. <laughs> and please note, church, this... This, this does not mean that there's never a consequence for the actions we take or that we are called to simply be run over by others and play the victim of each and every ill that we suffer at the hands of people. There is a consequence to actions. We have boundaries. God is a God of justice. This woman was dragged out in the act of adultery and placed before them. There's chaos and there's things that happen. She came face to face with Jesus himself. And he did not minimize her sin. He said, stop living this way. (laughs) He didn't say it wasn't a sin. He he tells her to turn from it. The grace of God revealed in the face of Jesus says, because you are free, go and live in freedom. Maybe the word for some of us this morning as we encounter God's grace is, because we are free, we should live like it more often. Not free to do whatever we want, but free to live the life he wants for us to live. This is the power of the gospel. This is what Jesus does. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's always grace first. So many people have gone it the other way around. Jesus' model is grace first, then change. You need to know what you, what you have, and that enables you to change. And friends, I'll, I'll close with this final thought. Um, and... You know, we've said throughout this grace series that the grace of God lived out through a life led by the Holy Spirit is opposite, right? To a life lived out by the ways of the world. Everything we're called to do is different. And in the area of forgiveness, we have one of these most explicit ways to show people that we are of God and not of the world. And where do we have the greatest opportunity to practice kingdom living in forgiving other people? It's with the people who least deserve it. That's where we have the greatest opportunity is to forgive people who least deserve it. You know, some people are sorry for what they've done, others are sorry they just got caught. Yeah. Either way, either way, we have a duty as believers, as followers of Jesus, to share what we have received. And yes, there are consequences, no doubt. But this is the crux of the message that I wanted to leave with you this morning. This is, this is where the power of forgiveness lies. If you've ever been left thinking, just like I have at times, there's no ways I could forgive that person for what they did. Never. It's impossible. Can't do it. There's no way I can forgive that person. Just remember, just remember this one very important thing. On the other side of forgiveness is a thing called intimacy. It's our design. By God. To live in relational intimacy with one another. And guess where we get that from? God desired intimacy with us. So he forgave us. God wants intimacy with you. (laughs) Our desire should be intimacy with one another in authentic, vulnerable Relationships, because this is how we experience His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen to that this morning? Judge, could you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer? I, uh, speaking about being authentic, I used to uh, apologize for getting emotional, and then I just realized, hey, that's just. God working in me, so I don't want to apologise for being authentic. I don't know. One shouldn't, you know, one shouldn't have a tissue if you're going to if you're going to get there. Just, just forgive me, speaking of. But I I felt this weight the whole week leading up to this, and um, I didn't want to just, you know, bypass this. And and cool, it was a great great experience at church. Um, You know, awesome awesome coffee. Worship was great. You know, everything, and then go and just leave without at least inviting God, creating space to have an encounter with Him. That's what church is. It's worshiping God because He's holy and it's encountering His presence. That's it. We minister to Him, we minister to one another and I feel like this morning perhaps there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity, there's a, there's a breakthrough moment. It might not even be for someone in this room and that's okay. It could be 10 years from now. It's not about me, it's about Jesus and His work. But I feel like there's a moment where God might wanna just break through that wall of some kind intimacy barrier that we've set up either between ourselves and him which is what we've spoken about in this in this series it's the first wall that God wants to break down is coming into our hearts us receiving his invitation or it could be a wall that we've set up with someone else and I don't no one needs to know what it is okay this is not this is not that kind of community this is authentic community it's you and Jesus and we stand in support but I did want to give us an opportunity just to 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 pray specifically for that this morning. I've been praying, we've been praying for us to receive the invitation of salvation through Jesus, through his work. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer of forgiveness. It could be simply you just saying, Lord, please help me forgive myself for what I've done and receiving that flood of his grace. Oh, the damn walls were overflowing this week. That's pretty cool. Just sort of that right now. Or maybe you you need to pray a prayer of releasing forgiveness over someone else for something that they've caused to you. I don't need to know what it is. No one does. It's between you and Jesus. But I feel like this morning, we need to to pray that prayer. We need to release that burden. And perhaps after this, have that conversation with that person and say, look, I forgive you. I mean, we don't don't manufacture things, right? I'm not going to go to someone and be out, you know, I forgive you for something that didn't happen. This is this is authentic. This is genuine. But could you could you just give me the honor of, of of praying with you and, and just closing your eyes and bowing your heads as a way of I suppose just honoring the moment and we're gonna ask for that. This is not something manufactured, this is <laughs> this is something authentic, and I I just I feel like there could be a moment here for someone. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that, if that is you, um, And if it's not you, church, would you mind just standing in support with those that could be praying this prayer? Uh, If that is you, I want you just to think of that person right now or those people or that, whatever it is. And quietly in your heart, meditate on the story from scripture. How in the height of that person's, that woman's shame and guilt, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Dwell on that magnificent mercy for for a bit and just release that forgiveness over the person that you're thinking about or the people or the situation whatever it is I I feel like God is, is calling us to step out of unforgiveness into forgiveness because on the other side of that is intimacy and I'm telling you now that's where you encounter God in a powerful way is in Community in authentic, intimate community with one another—that's God's design. We're not called to be islands out on our own. We're the body of Christ. It's together, and yes, sometimes church is messy. Sometimes people hurt us, but but this is where this message is going this morning. It's in that thing of, I'm. God desired intimacy with me, and He forgave me. So I want that. This is how I'm bringing heaven on earth. I'm bringing heaven on earth in my world, in my family, in my friendship circle this week by stepping into forgiveness. And Father, I thank you so much for the power of your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. There's nothing we could do to earn it, Lord. You freely gave it, even when we didn't deserve it. And it's from that fullness of what we have received, the flood of your grace, that we release that grace in forgiveness to whoever that person was this morning. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for intimacy. We thank you for connection with one another. It's not based on performance or fakeness or it's based on authentic relationship with you, vulnerable. We thank you, Jesus, that you modeled for us what that looks like. And we thank you, Father, that on the other side of these conversations and whichever others need to happen this week, we will experience joy on a deeper level. We'll experience freedom, fullness. Father, I thank you now that we will see your hand move in amazing ways this week as we, your church, take up the courage to say yes to this invitation, to this call today, to say to someone or to some people, I forgive you. Help us, Holy Spirit. Give us the words. Give us the way. Give us the the peace. And we thank you, God, that, that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? We stand in that confidence this morning, sure of our identity as sons and daughters of you. And we honour you for your power. Thank you for your presence. That is not only felt corporately now, but privately as we go. we commit to telling everyone of your goodness in reconciliation and restoration in our lives this week we pray all these things in Jesus wonderful name and everybody said amen church would you mind just for the last time celebrating God's love and his goodness and faithfulness to us I thank you so much for your time this morning. If you'd like a personal prayer, friends, we will be available up front if you'd like someone to pray with you. Otherwise, amazing coffee. Fill out one of the hello cards at our info counter if you'd like to find out more. I'll get in touch with you during the week. Otherwise, enjoy, and we'll see you again next week Sunday for Church. God bless everyone. Cheers.